To Elevate, Elevate Life, Life Church. Church. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy another elevated message. Here's Senior Pastor Sergio Lamone. and turn in the Bible to Isaiah chapter 60, verse 17. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 17. We are starting a new series, but it's more than that today. I'm releasing a word into your spirit for the new year, and that is that I believe this is the year of the upgrade. And Pastor Tina said it best as she shared that scripture today. For those that have an ear to hear, let them hear. Because there's a lot of people that are always hearing, but never learning. And I don't believe we want to be that way. Amen. Can I get an amen on that? We don't want to, the word of God to fall on deaf ears. Because what should be happening as you're hearing the word of God is we should be being transformed from glory to glory, from faith to faith. And I believe this is going to be a year where we're going to see that uh, happen in our lives. Oh, but you've got to grasp that. You've got to come into agreement with this rhema word. You've got to, you know, say amen to that word. I'm believing I'm going to get upgraded in my job. I'm going to get upgraded in my marriage. And, I, and I'm going to say it like this. Things are going to look a lot different by this time next year. How many could say amen to that? I don't know what that means for you. Maybe you're trying to buy a house by this time next year. Come on, you could be in a house. Come on, by this time next year, come on, you could be engaged. Come on, somebody should have grasped that. By this time next year, you could be having a baby, amen, with your husband. Let me just make that clear, with your husband, with your husband. Come on, you, whatever it is that you're dealing with, I believe an upgrade is headed your way. I believe this is going to be an upgrade for us as a church, as individuals, as married couples, as young people, I believe if you'll grasp this word on this first Sunday of the month, that God is going to do something incredible in your life. And I believe you have ears to hear that today. Amen. Look at Isaiah chapter 60, verse 17. This is one of the scriptures that God gave me this in this word all the way back in, uh, it really started coming to me in October of this past year. Isaiah 60 verse 17 says this, I will exchange your bronze for gold, your iron for silver, your wood for bronze, and your stones for iron. And I will make peace your leader and righteousness your ruler. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you today for the opportunity to listen to your word, to grasp your word, and to take hold of this revelation. I pray, Father, that this word would go, in, would go from being a Logos word, something we read in the scriptures, to a rhema word, something that comes alive in our spirit, that creates vision for us, Lord. And Father, I declare prophetically that by this time next year, we will have upgraded in our lives as a church, as individuals, as families, as married couples, Lord, I believe you want to take us from glory to glory, from faith to faith, because that is what your word says. I pray that you would open up the ears of every person that is here today. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. So at the end of last year, I just really began to lean into God for 2024. I don't know what kind of year 2023 was for you. For some of us, like the Jimenez family there, man, they're going to look back on that and see that as a year where God broke them through, a, a, a year of promises. But I don't know what it was like for you. I don't know if it was a tough year for you. Maybe it was a lonely year for you. Maybe it was a year of transition for you. I don't know what it is. But I'm telling you today, if you could set your sights on this 
word today, 2024 can be a year of an upgrade, which means you are going to get better. You're going to get stronger. Come on, you're going to get faster. Come on, get you're going to get leaner. Come on. And you can just go, oh, pastor, here we go again. All these pastors always trying to tell us it's going to get better and better. Yes, that's the message of Jesus Christ. That when we follow him, life should get better and better. But see, people that haven't experienced that, they get salty. They get sour. Here we go again. Somebody, I'm tired of hearing that. Well, that's your problem. Because you have settled in your setback. I like what Miguel said in that testimony there. He said they went to a dark place, but they did not settle in their setback. They chose to continue to hold to the promise of God that they would have a a, a child and that their family would grow. I don't know what it is for you, but you've got to take hold of the word of God today. Amen. So Isaiah chapter 60, verse 17 lays it out. This is the scripture that the Lord gave me. He said, I'm going to exchange your bronze for gold, your iron for silver, your wood for bronze, etc., etc." And and what the scripture talks about is whatever level you're at right now, God's got a better level for you. Because some of you are living a life and and you're kind of at that, you're kind of at that bronze level. It looks good on the outside, but it definitely ain't gold. Now, see, there's a, there's a story in the Bible, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 10, that you should read it on your own. I don't have time to get too far into it. But in this scripture, in this story, Rehoboam becomes king after Solomon. And when Solomon was king, he arranged in the temple for there to be these gold shields that were on display for anybody to come into the temple. And when Rehoboam took over in the temple, they removed the gold shields And they put bronze ones. And you say, well, why would they do that? They did that because they weren't willing to invest gold in the temple. So they put bronze because bronze looked like gold. But it sure wasn't gold. And the, the message that Rehoboam was sending was that as long as I look like gold, I'm cool. And what I've just described is many of our mentalities in here. You are content with looking like you got a good marriage. But you know you don't. Come on. You're content with looking like you got money. But you're in a gang of debt. Come on, you owe so much money money to the creditors. You're broke. You just don't look like it. And most people are content with the appearance of having it all together. Come on, that's why some of us, we're content with looking like Christians. But if you look real close, you have none of the fruit of being a Christian. And the church said, but God's willing to take that this year and he's going to take your bronze and he's going to give you gold. Come on, somebody say amen to that. He's going to take your your iron. He's going to give you silver. But see, there's something that you've got to understand about this. It's going to come at a cost. And I've been telling you this for months in the different messages. It's been sprinkled in there that the cost for the new life is the old life. And he says it even in this scripture. It's not that you get bronze and gold. Nah, you got to give up the bronze. Most of us want the bronze and we want the gold. But he says, no, it's an exchange happening here. And as I looked up that word upgrade for the new year, I was like, God, what are, you, what are you really saying? What does this mean? After he gave me the scripture, I went to Google and I went over to the Webster Dictionary site there and I, I put in the word upgrade. And, and this is the definition that came out. The word upgrade means this, to elevate something. Whoo, come on, somebody. To elevate something to a higher standard. In particular, to improve something by adding or replacing components at a cost. Somebody say at a cost. So, so this word upgrade that the Lord's depositing in us for this new year is telling us you're going to go to a higher standard, a higher level. You're going to improve your life by adding some things and replacing other things. But you need to know this. It's going to come at a cost and we need to be willing to pay that because here's the problem with all with a lot of us, with a lot of us, the cost many times scares us off. 
It's the cost many times that will cause us to settle in the life we have rather than go after the life that God has for you. And so in understanding this, I'm laying a foundation. God also took me over to Hebrews chapter 6. And and I believe this is a word for some of us in this house today. Look at Hebrews chapter 6, 1 through 3. I'm going to read it to you in the New Living Translation. The author of Hebrews here says this. He says, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. He says, surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. Now, I know this is going to mess up the cameras, but I got to come down here today because I need you guys to see my eyeballs because you need to understand today that God is speaking to the church and he's speaking to us and he's trying to tell us, I got a better life for you this year. But how long are we going to have to keep going over the basics of of Christianity? How long are we going to keep talking about things that you don't do? How long are you going to hear messages of things I need to repent of and then not repent of them? This is what I hear the Spirit of God saying to us today. How long are we going to spend walking around this mountain like the children of Israel? How long are we going to have another year to where we know there's a promised land over there, but we never get it? Because we know the word, we just don't do the word. How long do you need to be taught? Hey, as believers, we tithe. Got real quiet in this Baptist church today. As a follower of Jesus Christ, it's my responsibility to take care of his body. How long do we need to teach that? Some of you know it, but you still don't do it. How long do we need to hear messages on? Quit sleeping with your girlfriends if you're not married to them. How long do we need to keep hearing that you shouldn't be ripping people off in business? How long do we need to keep hearing you got to live right, quit doing evil deeds? Come on, help me today. Look at your neighbor and say, quit being evil. Because they ain't listening to you, me, maybe they'll listen to you. Because I tell you what, as a preacher, as a preacher, what I hear the Spirit of God saying is it is time for all of us to quit marching around the same mountain. It's time for us to go possess our promises. God's got a house for you. God's got a spouse for you. Come on. God's got a career for you. God's got a life for you. But you'll never get there as long as you keep hearing the word and not doing it. And so what I hear the scripture saying, what the writer of of Hebrews is saying to us, is he's saying you don't need any more instruction. You already know what to do. You, you already know what to do. Some of you know you got a crummy attitude. Some of y'all already know you got a bad attitude. And you just walk around going, well, Pastor, God's still working on me. God's still working. That ain't an excuse. You sound so ignorant saying that. Because what you're offering us is, hey, just put up with me. I ain't perfect. I ain't pro- I'm just keeping it 100. I'm just keeping it a buck. No, you are keeping yourself immature. And that's why your blessings are tied up. Because what does he say in the word of God here? He says, you don't need further instruction about baptisms, laying on of hands, the resurrection from the dead. You don't need any more of that stuff. Go back to the beginning of that scripture. What does verse 1 say there? It says, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature. Be mature. Tell your neighbor, grow up. Grow up. It's time to grow up. What does grow up mean? Be mature. You know what maturity comes with? Responsibility. Responsibility. It's time for you to start taking responsibility in the kingdom. It's time. And here you are. Oh, God's going to bless my business. But you don't tithe? Are you kidding yourself? Read your Bible. Oh, I just believe that God's going to answer all my prayers. But you don't take care of his house. You want God to build your house, but you don't even serve in God's house. 
And you, oh, well, you know, yeah. and you got, you got opinions about everything. Listen, here's what I hear God saying to some of us today. Let's leave that. All you got to do is make a decision today when you leave this church. I already know what I got to do. This is the Sunday I start doing it. This is the Sunday I start doing it. Some of you already know you should break up with that fool. Some of you already know you need to delete that girl's number out your phone. Go ahead. You can get your phone out right now. Go ahead and do it. Some of you already know you should stop hanging out with the people you hang out with. You already know that. You don't need another message on that. And see, because I'm a Holy Ghost preacher, I can only preach what God allows me to preach. And every Sunday, I get, every week I'm getting ready to pray, I go, God, I got to mention this again. He says, yes, you do. Because there's people in the house that still don't get it yet. So can some of y'all do me a favor? Get it. So I could be a nice preacher. So I could preach you stuff that'll change your direction and your, and your trajectory in life. And we could start seeing the blessings that we're supposed to be seeing. You're supposed to have a house by now. You're supposed to have real estate by now. And here's the thing. God has it for you. He has it for you, but he's waiting for you to mature and quit playing games and just do what you know. Come on, tell the other neighbor this time, do what you know. All right, I'm going back on the stage because some of y'all getting nervous. All right. (laughs) Tell your neighbor, I'm glad he's going back up there. Amen. So let's keep, let's keep reading now. And I want you to jump down to Hebrews chapter six, nine and 12. Now the same chapter. Because that's, that word right there is for some of us. And y'all going, yeah, that wasn't for me. I'm all good. Shoot, that's tell him, Pastor. Yeah, let me talk to you for a minute. Because there's a second group of us here. Look what it says in Matthew 6, 9. And you're either in one of these two groups. Look what he says here. Dear friends, even though we are talking this way, we don't really believe it applies to you. But we are confident that you are meant for better things. Ooh, you need to highlight that in your Bible. You are meant for better things. Tell your neighbor you're meant for better things. Declare it over the other, other neighbor now. You're meant for better things. Look what he says. We are confident that you are meant for better things. Things that come with salvation. Catch that now because here's the thing. Some of us are just happy to be saved. No, 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 no. There is benefits. And we never turn down benefits. Amen. Some of you work at a job only because of the benefits. The pay's okay, but boy, them benefits. Amen. That's how salvation is. There are benefits to this thing. Look what he says. For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him. And how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. Now, let me stop right there because there's a whole group of you. As I was getting on the other group, you were like, tell them, pastor, they need to start giving. They need to start serving. They need to get their lives together. Now, let's talk about you guys. Some of us that have been serving, that have been given, that have been building the house, taking care of the house. God's got something to say to us. And he's saying this, God has seen everything that we've been doing. So don't grow weary in well-doing. Can I get an amen on that? Now, look, he says God is not unjust. He's not going to forget your ushering, how hard you've worked, security team, children's workers, and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers as you still do. But here it is. Our great desire is this. That you keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Did you hear that? Keep doing these works so that what you're hoping for will come true. Some of y'all need to hear that because some of y'all been serving so hard, so strong. You are so faithful to the house of God. But you know what? If you're honest, you have not seen the blessings flow into your life like you should. This is your year. This is your year. 
Those of you that have been building the house faithfully. Those of you that have just laid down your life uh, and given your time, your energy, your treasure to the house of God. I believe God is about to break some things through. But look what, but look what it says here. As long, our greatest desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. And then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those that are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. So here's the warning to those of us that do work, that do give, that do do the Lord's kingdom business and and things of that nature. He says you got to be careful that you don't become spiritually dull. That you don't think you got it all together. I've dominated this life. I'm good. No, you're dull. And the Bible says this, we can't let ourselves become dull and we can't let ourselves become indifferent. Indifferent people reach a point where they think they got it all together. So that gives them a right to complain about everything. And some of us that have been walking this walk together as we've been establishing this house, some of us, you're getting dull. You're getting indifferent. You got complaint upon complaint upon complaint and you are reverting back to your slave mentality because know this, complaining is the language of slaves. Complaining kept Israel away from their promised land. And we've got to make sure that we're not allowing those things to diminish the light and the hope that we have for the new year. Can I get an amen? Because I believe God is going to upgrade us in this new year. Amen? Amen. Tell your neighbor, I believe it. Now, I'm not, I'm not just doing preacher things up here. Tell your neighbor. Tell your neighbor. You know what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to get you to use your mouth. Your greatest weapon is what you speak. Your greatest weapon is when you can declare things over your life and declare things into your neighbor's life. So tell your neighbor one time like you mean it. This is your year. So listen, I want to give you some, I'm going to give you three things in the 10 minutes I got left today to, to, to deposit into your spirit as we're setting the pace for the new year, okay? We've already situated, man, if there's something that you got to change in your life today, let's make this the year. Let's make this the Sunday, all right? You don't need another, you don't need to hear another message. If you're an addict, join AA, amen? Get involved in a group. Come talk to Pastor Willard. We will help you beat that thing. Let's stop making excuses. If you're still smoking weed, talking about I'm a Christian, let's deal with that. Amen? If you're an alcoholic, but you come to church every Sunday, you're still an alcoholic. Let's get, uh, let's get that thing dealt with. Can I get an amen on that? If you're sleeping with your girlfriend and she ain't your wife, you got to deal with that. Amen? I ain't coming over there. But you got to make a decision, all right? You got to do some things, okay? And others of us, we're going good. Things are great. Great. We serve. We are following Jesus. Here's the challenge. Let's not get dull this year. Let's not be spiritually dull this year. Let's stay on edge. Let's stay at a place of getting better, uh, growing in the Lord. Let's stay with a focus of I'm going to get an upgrade this year. Amen. So now there are three foundational things that you need if this is going to be the year of your upgrade. Are you ready for these things? Because if you don't do these things, there ain't no upgrade coming to you. I'll take it if you don't want it. Amen. So let me try that again. There are three things you got to do if you're going to get an upgrade. Do you want to know what they are? Or do you want to stay at the level you're at? Some of you are thinking about it. Well, it's not that bad. Actually, I kind of like where I'm at. We're going to get to that in a minute. All right. The first thing. First thing you got to do if you're going to get an upgrade is this. You got to get a vision. You got to get a vision. You got to get a vision. Some of y'all are like, oh, I have a vision, pastor. Okay, let's break that vision down. What is your vision? My vision is to start this business. Okay, that's great. You've been walking on that vision for years and years. What's the vision for this year? Where do you want to be this time next year? What does it look like 12 months from now? All right, you've got to get a vision. What do you want to do with your life? One of the greatest things that happened in my life, one of the greatest things that God did is he provided me a vision after I got saved. You know, when I wasn't serving God, I was just aimlessly wandering. I had no motivation to go to church. That's like some of you guys. I had no motivation to read the Bible, just like some of us here today. All right, I'm saved, I'm cool. But when I got a vision, everything changed in my life. 
And this is why I tell young people all the time, man, it's, it's crazy. I'm, I'm in my 50s now, and I still do youth camps all over the world. I'll be going to Malaysia to do another youth camp in April. And one of the things I tell young people all the time is until you have a vision, you have not begun living. You must get a vision. If you don't get a vision, you'll waste your life. This is why teenagers, you don't date anybody until you get a vision. If you don't know, if you don't have a vision, dating will simply steal the time you should be giving to learning about a vision. If you don't have a vision, don't date nobody. Because chances are that fool don't have a vision either. And now you got two fools walking around with no vision. So, you know, what we need to tell our teenagers is, hey, man, you know what? I know you like her, but let's get a vision first. Where's your life going? What do you want to do with your life? Because look at what the word of God has to say. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. One translation puts it like this, where there is no vision, the people have no restraint. And what does that talk about? Well, without vision, you do whatever you want. There's nothing holding you back. If you want to go smoke some weed, you go smoke some weed. If you want to have sex, you go have sex. You want to do this, you want to do that, you, whatever. You just go without a vision. But once you get a vision, you understand now there are things, if I want to accomplish this vision, that I cannot do anymore. 19 years old, I got a vision from God to be a pastor and to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That vision changed my life life. I'll never forget where I was at. And you guys have heard it already so many times, but I'll keep saying it. I'll never forget where I was at and what I was doing. I was reading the Bible. I read Matthew chapter 29, uh, chapter 29. And as I read, go into all the world and preach the gospel, I put my Bible down and my imagination took off. And I began to imagine myself getting on airplanes and preaching another name. 19 years old. Shh. 19 years old, I didn't, I didn't know what I was thinking. My, my, my imagination just took off and it was all God. And I began to see it. And then those words began to resonate. You're going you're gonna to preach in the nations. I'm sending you to the nations of the earth. And I began to see myself pastoring and standing in front of people, preaching and teaching the word of God. And as I put my head down, that little imagination, I knew it was sent from God. I knew it was. And I closed that Bible that day and I realized this. I said, God, I am not the man that can do that. So if that's what you want me to do, you've got to do something with who I am. And God said, I can do that, but you need to listen to me. And so from that day on, I just had my face in the word of God. Because I know the way to get to that vision is to obey his word. And you know what that did for me, guys? What that did for me is it created a discipline in my life that I never had. So Friday night rolls along. All the homies call me up. Serge, let's go out. Let's go hang. Let's go do this. But I got a vision now. And where the homies are trying to take me is going to take me further from my vision. So I got to make a decision based on my vision. And so I said, no, nah, I, I ain't going out no more, guys. I'm done. I, I ain't going out no more. Oh, man, why? Why? Nah, this ain't about that life no more because I got a vision. If I had not had a vision, I would have found myself like, okay, yeah, ain't no big deal. I'll go hang with the homies. I won't do nothing wrong. Yeah, right. We all say that. And then what ends up happening? We end up doing stuff wrong. You see, what the scriptures is trying to tell us is this. What protects us and causes us to put on restraint is a vision. And if you're going to upgrade this year, you got to get a vision. One of the things that is under attack like nothing else on the planet Earth is marriages. Marriages are getting broken up. And I'm just saying this, good marriages. I know people, good people whose marriages have fallen apart. And can I, can I just tell you something? A lot of times what, what I struggle with is that many of you are married, but you have no vision for your marriage. You have no idea why God gave you that husband he gave you. Some of you guys are like, you're right, pastor. I don't know why I married this fool. That's not what I meant. There's a reason God gave you that husband. 
And there's a reason he fell in love with you. And it wasn't just your lips and hips and fingertips. Come on. There was more to it than that. But see, some of you, you have no vision for where you're going in your marriage. So guess what happens in your marriage? There's no restraint. There's no restraint. You do whatever you want. You don't invest in it. You don't make it better. I'm telling you, if our lives are going to get upgraded this year, if by this time next year we're going to look back and things are going to be different, it will only be because of your vision. Where is your business going? You got to cast a vision. You got to have a vision. You got to see it. And when you make that decision, you got to stick to that vision and allow that vision to give you restraint. Here's a good vision that would help some of you. How about we get out of debt this year? How many think that's a good vision? See, if you grasp that vision, and that's a good vision to have, it's going to put you in a place of restraint. Because if your goal is to get out of debt, then you probably shouldn't buy another car this year. And the church said amen. You probably shouldn't add to your purse collection this year. You probably you know, shouldn't do a lot of things this year if the vision is to get out of debt. You got to get a vision, church. You got to get a vision. Hey, fathers, do you have a vision about the kind of dad you want to be? Moms, do you have a vision about what kind of mom you want to be? Or are you just content being all mean and angry and yelly? Is yelly a word? I don't know. You're all yelly, mom, yelling at everybody. How about you get a vision? Like, you know what? I want to be a better mom this year. Should have got more amens than that. Some of y'all mad, see? You, yeah, yeah. Hey, what kind of kids are you trying to raise? What kind of kids are you trying to raise? Parents, do you even know? But know the kind of kids you're trying to raise? Some of you are trying to raise your kids like you was raised. Big mistake. Big mistake. You got to raise them different. What kind of kids you want to raise? You want to raise kids that get good grades? You want to raise kids that, you know, you ain't got to pick up at the courthouse? We want to raise teenagers that, you know, are, are respectable in the community. Come on. That's what we want. But you got to get a vision for it. And some of us don't have a vision for it. We're just like, oh, I want that. I want that. It, it ain't going to happen until you get a vision for it. Amen? Amen. Number two, second thing you got to do before we can upgrade our lives. After you get a vision for this year, you got to get uncomfortable. You got to get uncomfortable. I want you to write this down. This is profound, but it's not. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Nothing's changing in your life if you don't change nothing in your life. And change, remember this today, change is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for all of us. Change is uncomfortable. Change is something that we've got to understand is going to, if I'm going to change, I got to be put in uncomfortable situations that will produce change in my life. And here's the problem with that, right? We love comfort too much. We love comfort too much. And I got to tell you, if I do my job right as a pastor, when you come to church, I got to make you uncomfortable sometimes. I got to challenge you. I got to be, I got to keep it a buck with you. I got to keep it real with you. I got to help you. I can't just pet you and say, good little sheep. No, we've got to create opportunities for you to change, but you've got to be willing to embrace the uncomfortable. Amen? Amen. And there are uncomfortable things that it's going to take for you to have a good marriage, right? So your marriage needs change, but every time we present opportunities, you're uncomfortable. It's like, we're going to have a marriage conference in a, in next month. And the first thing people go, well, how much is it going to be? Well, who's going to be there? Well, I don't know those people. What am I going to sit in a room full of people I don't know, listening to people I don't know? Pff, I ain't doing that. You want to know why? Uncomfortable, 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 uncomfortable. Every question you just asked was about making you comfortable. You asked the wrong questions. It's not about being comfortable. It's about, is it going to help me? Am I going to learn something at this thing that I can apply to my marriage to make it better? Okay, how much does it cost? No problem. It'll be worth the investment. But see, if comfort is your God, 
we ain't never going to get you to do nothing. And I'm just telling you right now, growth doesn't happen in comfort. Amen? Amen. The young adults going to a conference. I ain't going to that conference. Why, man? I don't know those people. Uncomfortable. Well, how much is it? $60. That's a lot. Uncomfortable. See, every excuse you're making is because you're not comfortable. Here's the thing, y'all. The great life is beyond the uncomfortable. And you've got to get uncomfortable. Amen? Amen. Be a part of the church. Serve. I got to serve. I got to do what? Yeah, serving is going to make you uncomfortable. Giving makes you uncomfortable. But those are things that will cause you to grow. Can I get an amen on that? We read it in Hebrews eleven twelve. 12. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that you hope that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and because of their endurance. So if we're going to get an upgrade this year, we got to get uncomfortable. Amen. We got to get a vision. We got to get uncomfortable. And the last thing I want to deposit in you today is this. We got to pay a price. We got to pay a price. And today's price is not yesterday's price. Some of y'all don't know what that's about, but you get it. I'm telling you right now, we got to pay a price. We got to get out of this mentality that wants everything for free. We got to get out of this mentality that says, God, you do it. I can't do it. You may not be able to do it, but there is something you can do. And we must be willing to pay a price for the upgrade. It's going to cost you to become a better mom. It's going to cost you to become a better father. It's going to cost you to have a better marriage. It's going to cost you for your, for your business to take off. But you've got to be willing to pay that cost. And there's a barrier many times. And this is what I'm going to spend some more time on next week. There's a barrier that keeps us stuck in the same level of life for generations. It's a mentality that cements us and our family at the same level of life from one generation to the next generation. And it's time, folks, that you understand this. The reason God wants to upgrade you, because if you get an upgrade, your kids get the benefits. Your grandkids will get the benefits. But as long as you're content, because you don't want to pay the price, your kids suffer. Your grandkids suffer. And everybody around you suffers. And there's one thing that many times keeps us cemented in a place where we're not upgrading. And that's our mentality. Look at Revelations chapter 3, 17 and 18. Jesus is talking and he says, you say I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. Some of you could say that in this place today. You got a good career. You got a good house you live in. You got a good family. You're good. But look what Jesus says. You don't realize that you're really wretched. You're miserable. You're poor. You're blind. And you're naked. Not naked. Naked. Think about that for a minute. What's Jesus talking about? I got a house. I got a good career. I got a good job. And here's what Jesus says. So I advise you to buy gold from me. Gold that has been purified by fire. Then you'll be rich. Also buy white garments from me so that you will not be shamed by your nakedness. An ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. So here's the invitation, guys, from our God. You're spending so much time making sure your natural needs are met. And some of you have done a good job of that. But Jesus is saying to us today, it's time that you buy my gold. It's time that you clothe yourself with my garments and pay for them. It's time, here it is, that you make some eternal investments 
so that I can truly make you rich. But there's one thing that stands in our way. Third John 1 and 2 says this, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health. If that scripture is not underlined in your Bible or on your phone, you need to underline that. That is the will of God for your life. That you prosper in all things. Somebody say all things. And be in health. But here's the key right here, guys. Just as your soul prospers. Now, what is your soul? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. The world's soul is broken. That's why we have this epidemic of anxiety and panic attacks and and fear and all this stuff going on. It's because the world's soul is not prospering. If we're going to get an upgrade this year, we're going to have to pay a price. Track with me now. We're going to have to pay a price to upgrade our soul. Now, why is this so significant? Years ago, I read a book by Dr. Ruby Payne. The name of the book is called The Framework for Overcoming Poverty. And Dr. Ruby Payne is somebody that teaches uh, teachers in the inner city how to relate to children that come from poverty. And this book has gone worldwide. She does conferences all over and and some people love her. Others are offended by the truths in the book so they don't care for it too much. But in the book, she makes some incredible discoverings about, about poverty that I believe the word of God already tells us. One of the things we've got to understand about poverty is poverty is consistent upon eight resources that greatly influence achievement. I'm going to say that again. Poverty is consistent upon, is dependent upon eight resources that greatly influence achievement. Poverty is not just about money. Now, I need to say this because what we're going to tackle in the new year is the understanding that you could be poor even though you got money. And some of us have a poverty mentality even though we make lots of money. And what that contributes to is a value system that is motivated by a poverty mindset. And we need to exchange that value system for a kingdom value system. Am am I losing anybody on this today? I'm, I'm, I'm winding this up, but I need to deposit this in you. I don't want to lose you today because understand this. You can have a good job making six figures, but still think like somebody in poverty. You say, oh, pastor, no, no, no. When I was little, we were poor. I lived in the projects. Now I got me a nice house in Outgrove. Yeah, but can I tell you something? You're still poor. No, I ain't. My bank account is full. No, 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 because remember... Poverty is made up of eight different resources. You're only addressing that you've overcome in one area. What are those eight different resources? And I believe the Bible backs this up because Jesus told the man who had money, you're still poor. You need to buy my riches and then you'll be rich. See, Jesus was talking about the same concept, but Dr. Ruby Payne puts it in these ways. These eight resources that greatly influence achievement are this. You can write these down. Financial, emotional, mental, spiritual, physical, support systems, role models, and knowledge of hidden rules. I'll say that again. These eight things can, can consist or are what poverty is made up of. Financial, emotional, mental, spiritual, physical, support systems, role models, and knowledge of hidden rules. Now, if these eight things are what make me a poor person, and I only address the financial, there are seven things that are telling me I'm still poor. And I have a poverty mentality, which many times means my value system is off. 
And until you get a value system that is a kingdom value system, I'm going to be preaching you good meat, but you ain't ever going to get it. This is what I believe Jesus meant when he said, there are going to be those of you that hear, but you never understand. See, but you never grasp. It's because our soul has to be renewed. And one of the main things we're fighting is our upbringing. We still got a value system based on lack thinking, poverty thinking, worldly thinking. And what we need to get is we need to get a value system based on the word of God. See, a value system based on poverty only values things that I can wear, I can eat, I can drive, and I can be entertained by. These are four things that somebody under a poverty mentality, they value it. Oh, these things are valuable. So somebody with a a poverty mentality will spend $400 on sneakers and not even trip. They'll be like, yeah, these were $400. These are the hotitos right here. Come on, they're $400. Actually, they're $800 right now. These are the uh, Haritos, the Air Maxes or whatever. These things are $800. That's right. I I bought them for $400. And they're proud of that. You want to know why? Because they only value what they can wear, eat, touch, drive. That's it. Dr. Ruby Payne puts it like this. They only, they have a material universe. They don't understand a quantum universe. Don't get me all deep with you today. What is the quantum universe? The quantum universe understands this. There's value in things that I cannot touch or see. Like a book. See, somebody with a poverty thinking mentality has no problem buying a handbag for $800. They're proud of it. They get their first million dollar check. They go out and spend all that money on gold chains. We see uh, 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 athletes do it all the time. And they're proud of that because that to them brings value. But that same person goes to the store and looks at a book on finance and says, $35, that's too expensive. That's too expensive? The shoes ain't too expensive. But $35 book is too expensive for you? We'll get the nicest jeans, nicest sweater, how much is that young adults conference? $60. Because see, you don't understand this. What you're going to learn at that conference is so valuable. It'll change your life forever. But because you got a poverty value system, you can't grasp that. Here's a better one that's going to take you home with and I'll end with this. Somebody tells you, you need to get therapy. And you go, okay, I'm going to go. You get on the phone. You call, hey, how much is therapy? $100 an hour. (laughs) Oh, I'm good. I'm straight. I'll work this out on my own. I ain't paying $100 an hour. You crazy. See, we laugh. It's because you can't grasp the value in the quantum. You can't grasp the value in the knowledge, the information that you're going to get. So you won't pay the price. You won't pay the cost for the upgrade. Because you have poverty thinking. And unless you can't wear it, taste it, eat it, drive it, you ain't spending your money on it. Folks, we got to get over that. You got to break free from that. I'm going to lean into this so much more next week. Please don't stay home. Because if you grasp this, it will change generations. Because you go, I ain't paying for therapy. That's, That's too much money. Too much money. Four hours of therapy can change not just your life, but it'll change your kids' lives. Because some of you are passing on generational trauma to your kids, your grandkids. It just keeps going because you won't pay $100 an hour for therapy that could change your life forever. And we laugh about it. That's too much money. No, what's too much money is what you're spending 
monthly on clothes. What's too much money is the decision you made to get a car that you can't afford because you value it. Ain't no problem. Drive whatever you want if you can afford it. But you're a fool to drive a car that you can't afford to make the payments on. But you drive in it because you value material things. I'm Tell your neighbor, he's just trying to level you up. So we've got to learn a whole new value system if we're going to upgrade today. If you won't do it for yourself, please do it for your kids. I had to learn this the hard way, guys. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't raised in poverty. My mom and dad were very much middle class. Man, we always had stuff. Anything I needed, they had for me. But you know what? And they didn't know anything. They didn't know better. My, 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 my dad lived in Mexico, raised in Mexico. He'll tell you to this day. He still thinks like he's from Mexico. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. People from Mexico, they don't throw nothing away. They'll find a use for it. How many know I'm talking about? Now, they could go out and buy a new one. Easy, easy. But they don't. Because there's something inside that won't let them. They won't let them. Come on, some of us have parents that you never went out to eat, right? They would never, I never went out to eat as a kid. My mom always said, we got food at home. She was that lady. We got burgers at home. My mom, my mom, McDonald's. No, 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 we got burgers at home. Even though we were well off, we had mentalities that were passed on to us. And we pass it on to our kids. It's not until I came in contact with the kingdom that I began to challenge the ways of, my, of some of the things I learned in my upbringing. And I'm challenging you this. We need to take this same journey for you, for your grandkids. So we stop repeating generational curses in our lives. It's the year of the upgrade. Amen. Hey, everybody, Pastor Sergio here, and we just want to thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Make sure you check us out next week as we continue this series.